Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, week two, Packers-Vikings noon Sunday kickoff at Lambeau Field. It is almost here. Our final show of the week in which we focus on keys to victory for Green Bay. Where do you want to start with this one? Well, there's a quarterback <laughs> that we don't really have an update on right now. Uh, I mean, just to, to get it out of the way, you know, Mike McCarthy mentioning Friday morning did not have an update on him. As you wrote on Packers.com, looks like he'll be taking this thing all the way up until game time on Sunday. He sounds like he continues to make progress uh, in trying to come back from that knee. I actually thought the biggest thing that probably came out of that was McCarthy's believing that if there are no setbacks, this could be something that clears itself up, that he wouldn't necessarily have to play through the rest of the season. Um, be that as it may, everything's about Sunday right now. You and I talked about it so many times, Mike. Packers, Vikings, especially the recency between that rivalry mm -hmm. uh, with Mike Zimmer and that defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a big piece of the puzzle, depending on how it all shakes out. Yeah, I think it all starts. And I, I personally believe Rodgers is going to play, but even if he doesn't and if it is Deshaun Kaiser, I think it all starts with protecting the quarterback. Sure. This this Minnesota Vikings defense, this defensive front, and I'm talking about not only the front four, but also the linebackers, Barr and Kendricks and all of that. These guys can get after quarterbacks. They've done it time and time again. Harrison Smith will come blitzing from the safety position and you know a lot of times finds his way to the quarterback, a clear path as well. We saw what was happening last week when Khalil Mack was kind of a one-man wrecking crew, although Akeem Hicks was also doing his right. share of wrecking things in the first half for the Packers. But once the pass protection settled down, Rodgers' lack of mobility or not, when the pass protection settled down, the Packers' offense found its rhythm, found its groove. To score 24 points in a second half in the NFL, that's a lot. It I mean, is. That, that's that, that's, that's big-time production. So the Packers know that uh, whichever quarterback is back there, he needs to uh, he needs to have room to operate, and I think that's where this game starts. Yeah, and, and you look historically, Vic Fangio's defense isn't one that gives up a lot of those opportunities either, whether he was in San Francisco or during his time in Chicago. Yeah. For him to give up that much production, I think, shows you just how in the zone Rodgers was in that contest. And the other thing I'm going to add to that, again, depending on who the quarterback is and, and how this all you know lays out on Sunday, but I mentioned our final thoughts video too this week, Mike, Really, if they can have that similar production, I'm not saying they need to have 252 receiving yards out of Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Geronimo Allison, but just being able to spread out the passing game like that, it's the mismatch we talked about throughout the offseason. Right. And being able to also have Jimmy Graham involved there, Lance Kendricks as an H-back type tight end, and having a multitude of different ways that the quarterback can go with the football in addition to however you want to utilize Ty Montgomery potentially splitting him out. The second half, I thought the big key to what the Packers were able to do was the fact that one drive belonged to Geronimo Allison, one drive happened to belong to Devontae yep. Adams, and then obviously Randall Cobb doing what Randall Cobb does in the final you know moments of that game to, to pull out the victory. There's only so many guys you can cover, and if you decide to go two shell against it, well then that's going to leave you some opportunities underneath with the run and, and whatnot. So I that chess match between what, Mike Zimmer wants to do and, and how he believes he wants to dictate the game versus what the Packers are going to do to build off of how they finished last week to me is the biggest storyline in this game absent the quarterback yeah and the other thing I'm going to keep an eye on too is the penalties and I sure. want to mention a couple of things on, on both sides of the ball here because in continuing with the theme of protecting the quarterback and establishing the pocket 
there was an intentional grounding penalty against Rodgers in the second half that could have been really, really debilitating right. for that comeback. The Packers were able to overcome that penalty, but if he's not able to get completely outside of the pocket in order to throw the ball away, he needs to have enough time you know, even if somebody's not open to find a receiver to get rid of the ball to avoid the sack and avoid the intentional grounding. And then on the other side, the roughing the passer penalties, three of them against the Packers. I don't know. Usually a team that would have that many personal fouls in a game does not come out on top. I mean, those, those penalties are, are really punitive. And Two of them, as we talked about earlier in the week, I thought were really dubious calls. The one on Clay Matthews at the end of the game I thought was legitimate. But uh, the Packers can't – you can't continue that. The pass rushers have to be on notice here because you can't be giving free 15 yards and free first downs, especially on third and fourth down plays, as what happened at the end of the ballgame. Absolutely, and I I think that's one thing too is Clay Matthews has kind of gone on throughout the week – you know, and admitting and atoning for what he'd done, and, and understanding that you in this day and age you can't have those type of those type of hits with the quarterback, he steps in front of that. But I thought he made an important message in, in talking about that, to also bring up how, you know, him personally, he didn't believe the unnecessary roughness penalties on Muhammad Wilkerson and Nick Perry, Nick Perry were maybe warranted. Um, yeah, I don't think they were either. It's really. It's a tough problem. We talked about it earlier this week. These guys having to try to understand how they're going to take their pass rushing skills, go after the quarterback and do what they're paid to do, but also not have a, a bad effect to it. Because mm-hmm. honestly, Mike, that might as well just be a 15-yard completion. Uh, it might as well be sure. have just as much of uh, a momentum-changing kind of play. So that yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to watch. And I'll be honest with you, too, I'm going to be following Anthony Barr still. I don't want to just keep beating that horse. But seriously, that, that I, to me, that's one of the reasons why we have this role. So, I mean, it, seeing how those type of players react to it sure. as well, yeah. um, it's, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be a major storyline, not only this week, but this whole season. Yeah. The other thing I see from the defensive side, and I know this is something we could say every single week, but particularly in this game with the potential limitations of Rodgers, with what's at stake here against the Minnesota Vikings and everything, and how last week's game unfolded, I think the Packers' defense needs to get a turnover to for the Packers to be able to win this game. When, when the Packers were down 20 to nothing against the Bears, I kept every time the Bears got the ball, I would tweet, okay, it's time for a turnover. I, I just didn't think, honestly, that the Packers could win that game, yeah. could complete that comeback without the defense make, getting a turnover and making one of those game-changing type of plays. Now, they ended up getting one on the final play on the fourth down, but they actually did complete the comeback. We're ahead 24 to 23 without the defense getting right. a turnover. I'm not sure you're going to be able to beat the Minnesota Vikings unless you unless you force a mistake from Kirk Cousins or maybe you strip the ball from Dalvin Cook. He did cough one up last week against right. the San Francisco 49ers, but um, this is uh, this is the type of the, this is the type of game where the defense needs to create a big momentum swing at some point in the game, I think, in order for the Packers to win and to get to 2 and 0 uh, and and you know, I guess the timing of the turnover obviously could be crucial, but I think the Packers need one or two. I give you 150% credit. I'm not saying you're wrong. I will say there is a great equalizer, though, that people don't often talk about. Okay. It's the reason why the Packers won that game against the Bears. 
they got off the field. They got <laughs> stops on third down. They got stops on fourth down. The Packers don't do that. They don't win because you're not getting the ball back to Aaron Rodgers fast enough. You're going to run out of time yeah. at some point. There were, what was it? I believe it was five in possessions sp- against the Bears yep. where they did not have a first down. In a span of six possessions. Yeah. yeah. And you, if you're not going to have turnovers, if you're going to lose the turnover margin, <laughs> and you're also going to you know have some issues with some personal fouls there, you have to do something. Yeah. And Mike Pettin's defense in those instances didn't give an inch. Long term, you're absolutely right, though. You have to be able to get turn over the football. You have to be able to get those type of plays. I, I'm really eager to see all this start to play out on a week-to-week basis. I don't think, and I've said this earlier this week, I don't think we're just going to see a carbon copy of the game plan that we saw against the Bears now be implemented against the Vikings. I think you're going to see I don't some think shifting so off of that. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of different things. But I thought the three main messages we got out of the first game were, one, they have full confidence in Blake Martinez to run the defense. And if they need to go sole inside linebacker for half the game, three-quarters of the game, they're going to do that. Yeah. The defensive front, as we said all offseason, the defensive line is going to have a huge impact in this thing. They're going to run three defensive linemen in sub-packages. They're going to run them in base packages. They're going to have base packages where there's one defensive lineman. They're going to have dime packages where there's one defensive lineman. There's, it's indiscriminate there. Mm-hmm. Mike Penton's going to go with whatever he feels the flow of the game is like. And lastly, I wrote about it earlier this week. We talked about it. Defensive back secondary is going to be a hallmark of this team. They will go as far as they take them this season. Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, Mike McCarthy said it. Both of those guys earned the reps. They're on the field. Kevin King played every single snap last week. I don't think that's a big enough storyline Given the fact that he had missed the amount of time he did with the shoulder, given the fact that he had sat out in the offseason with the other shoulder surgery, the fact that he played all 70 defensive snaps and was a full participant in practice this week, a very good thing for a guy that didn't actually play into a preseason game until the finale. No question. And lastly, Tremont Williams, what else can you say about him? 70 defensive snaps. He's going to be a big part of this thing. He's another one of those orchestrators in the defense. Mm Mm-hmm. The Packers secondary as a whole, Mike, and there's going to be guys that get nicks and bruises over the course of the season, but yeah. that group right now appears to have the potential to be special this year. Yeah. You mentioned a, a different type of game plan here against the Vikings, and I agree with you because I was surprised, as I had mentioned earlier in the week, I was surprised at how the Packers really, in essence, they dared the Bears to run the ball with Howard and Cohen. They did not really counter the Bears' run personnel on offense with run personnel on defense. Now, at the end of the day, Cohen and Howard, collectively, they averaged better than five yards per carry, but yet the Bears' running game did not control the football game. Now, Dalvin Cook... That could that could change. I think I think this guy is a really potentially a really really special player, uh, both in how he runs the ball and in how they use him as a receiver out of the backfield. He's a guy that could change how Petten yeah. you know puts the defensive fronts out there because you can't let the Vikings, especially with as as accomplished a quarterback as Kirk Cousins is with all the four thousand yard seasons and all that kind of stuff. You can't let the Vikings control the game on the ground because then that just changes all those matchups in totally. the secondary that uh, Kirk Cousins has the experience then to take advantage of that perhaps Mitch Trubisky not quite there yet. Yeah, you're you're right. There's a reason why the Packers traded for Antonio Morrison. They wanted to have that Jake Ryan type run stuffer next yeah. to Blake Martinez. They wanted to have him in the pipeline. 
I think the big thing for this game, too, and at the time in which we're taping this, we, we haven't had the injury report yet, but seeing where Oren Burks is at and the fact yep. that he was actually able to appear to – he's still limited but appeared to be able to do more in practice this week. Looks like he's putting that shoulder injury behind him. Burks is an important piece to this equation because he seems to be the 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 merger there between – going lighter in the secondary, but still having a guy that can stand up in the run. Uh, and I, you saw what he did during preseason throughout training camp. He's a young guy, but he's a bright guy. And mm-hmm. I think with him and Blake Martinez working against each other, that's a really good battery there for the Packers in, in, the, in that part of the, fa- the that facet of the defense. Um, and the sooner they get him on the field, obviously the better it's going to be for that group in the long run. Yeah, well, just to touch on special teams briefly, we know we've been told Randall Cobb will remain the punt returner for the Packers. How long before you think he breaks one? I think it might not take too long. I thought he was going to do it last week, to be honest <laughs> with you, on that 17-yarder. And this is a guy that did not return a punt in the 2017 season. wasn't asked to do that at right. all. I, I wrote about this for the website on Friday, Mike. I, I just He's Mr. Consistency. He's always been that way. He doesn't get too high or too low in the locker room. And on the field, very quietly, I mean, you look at his 60-yard seasons and how he's kind of put these together and what he's fought through to do that. Yeah. I thought that was a very fitting way for the Packers to open the season, 142 yards from Randall Cobb. When we've all we've talked about is Jimmy Graham and rookie receivers and new offenses, for him to play the way he did offensively. And then, oh, by the way, <laughs> Trevor Davis's hamstring flares up. We need you on special teams as well. Right. He said it. I'm sure you remember these these interviews, Mike, going back to 2012 and 13 when he was starting to break out. Looked like he was just going to need to be an offensive-only player. He said he's always open to doing special teams if he needs it. He he embraces that role. Yeah, he's never batted an eyelash at right. getting extra duty thrown at him. Yeah, and the Packers want to get the ball in his hands. It's one more way to do that, especially if they're going to be without Davis for half or you know the whole season. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, all right. Well, one other thing we always like to do on our final show of the week, take a look at some other games going on around the league that might have some significant implications. Obviously, in the NFC North, this Packers-Vikings game is where it's at. One team is going to be 2-0 and and will be on top of the division all by its lonesome after two weeks. So there are a couple other games in the NFC that I think are really interesting. One is Carolina at Atlanta, uh, the first of two NFC South showdowns between those two teams. The other one that I don't think before week one we would have thought would be an intriguing game, but it is now, and that's Philadelphia, the defending Super Bowl champions, going to Tampa Bay with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off of the 417 yards and four touchdowns against the New Orleans Saints in the Buccaneers' upset in uh, their opening NFC South matchup. This one cross divisions, the South versus the East. Uh, which one of these do you think is more intriguing, the Carolina-Atlanta or Philly-Tampa? I, I love Philly-Tampa because, <laughs> it, you know, the, we see the NFC South against each other, and that there's so much parity in that division. It yeah. always seems like they're, they're going to be important games down the stretch. But, I mean, you want to talk about the, the Buccaneers. I mean, you, Dirk Cutter, I mean, this is where they got to make hay this season, regardless of where Jameis Winston is at. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, they've expressed a lot of confidence in him going back to last year if you watched Hard yeah. Knocks at all. And, you know, everyone talks so much about Aaron Rodgers and him falling to 24 in the 2005 draft. What about Ryan Fitzpatrick falling to the seventh round in that same draft and the career that he's made for himself? It just seems like every time this league wants to kind of, you know, spit him out and move on, (laughs) he finds another way to uh, hang on. And this is going to be a supreme challenge for him, though, against the Eagles. 
Uh, to me, that that's a matchup I'm looking forward to. And then, yeah, every time Atlanta and Carolina play, it's always going to be fireworks. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was really high on Dirk Cutter's Buccaneers team sure. last year. Yeah. I thought they were a team on the rise in the NFC, and then things didn't work out. They didn't come together, and now this year you're dealing with Jameis Winston being suspended at the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden they go out there with Ryan Fitzpatrick and light up New Orleans the way they did, get a big win. Now they're hosting the defending Super Bowl champs. Maybe, just maybe, I was a year too early on Cutter and his Buccaneers. But And we don't talk often a lot about AFC games because we're always looking at the NFC North and the NFC and how that shakes out. But you do have the rematch of the AFC Championship this week with New England, this one being at Jacksonville, right. I believe, correct? Yep. So. What do, you th- what do you think of this matchup? Obviously, a lot of people are pointing to Jacksonville. This is their opportunity to beat the Patriots. They get them at home. They're getting them early in the season, all that kind of stuff. How do you see this one playing out? I my Every time I watch the Patriots now, is my eyes are always glued on Tom Brady because he's 41 years old now, uh, and, and you're always kind of looking to see when. Not necessarily you're going to see the athletic dip because it's not like he's ever been like this huge scrambling quarterback, but the arm strength. Right. Uh, and, and by all accounts, I mean, he's still Tom Brady. But, you know, when you look on the other side of it, can Jacksonville, after appearing like they were trying and clawing and getting closer to closing that gap, can they finally do it this year? So many resources have gone into that side of the ball. I think these are probably what the I would say this is the highest expectations they've probably had for one of their teams since what maybe the Mark Brunel era. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, more than just division titles, more than playoffs. I mean, this is a team that wants to contend for a Super Bowl. Well, they this they year. they felt they should have beaten the Patriots in yeah. New England for that AFC title last year. They had the lead. They I were felt like they were that, yeah. they they were in but they were in control of the right. game for a large portion of it and they let it get away at the they end. They did. Yeah. And they got it round two here. For them, if you can pick up a win here against New England, that propels you into the season. That changes the narrative. You lose that again, and you're going to be answering that question for you know another month or so. Yeah, another interesting game, I think, in the AFC. Kansas City is at Pittsburgh. Are we potentially? I know Pittsburgh is always really tough at home, but could Pittsburgh actually start the season 0-1-1? They could start the season 0-0-2. That's possible too, <laughs> if they want to go run the table another, that way. Another, yeah, another uh, overtime tie. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, mm. people, we gotta get whatever credit is given to Andy Reid and that coaching staff for whatever happens with him. I'm always gonna have the John Dorsey asterisk next to that because Dorsey <laughs> made such a gutsy move going up and getting this guy when I don't think many people had him at ten. Now people were scratching their heads at that move, like, yes. like, wait a minute, the the Chiefs are trading up. Like, who do they want? And then it's like. They traded up for Patrick Mahomes, and then yeah, you're right. That that was that was a very bold move by John Dorsey, and he may have set up the Kansas City Chiefs for a lot of success. It's one game; you never know what can happen. Right. Everybody can look like an MVP in one game, but the kid looks like he belongs. And in addition to that, the fact that they had Alex Smith because of John Dorsey, <laughs> and then he goes to Washington. I mean, it's just he set that franchise up really well. I know there was some things that happened there at the end of it, but. Yeah. Uh, they're in a good place. Can I throw one more out at you? Yeah. I actually think the biggest game of the week, you didn't even touch on it, okay. which is okay. Sorry. No, that's all right. Seattle-Chicago. Not necessarily from, like, implications, but yeah. Seattle had a lot of stuff happen this offseason. Yeah. They start the season 0-2. Where does your season go from there? And Chicago just traded for Khalil Mack. Now you're getting the Seahawks at home on Monday Night Football. You kind of need to show up. Yeah. So, 
whatever team ends up being 0-2 out of that one, I, I think that's going to not necessarily be an insurmountable hole to get out of, but not the start you're looking for. Yeah, so that's Monday night's game. That's Monday night football. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, 0-2. We I know, both... we'll talk about that then, but I'm really excited. No, no, I hear now. you, though, because because you we're going to hear the stats with regards to that game about the percentage of teams that yes. make the playoffs when they start 0-2. And, and one of those two teams that they both have some high hopes, one of those two teams is going to be 0-2. There's a bunch of stat people out there, probably some in Bristol, Connecticut, and <laughs> Los Angeles, just waiting to unveil all those 0-2, 0-3 percentages. Yeah, we're, we're going to see those on the TV screen Monday night. But that's that's a that's a big game. No, you're that's, right. that depends on who's going to really be in contention in those divisions. Yeah, you're right. That is a significant one. With that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday's big game against the Vikings on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.